This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from markfiore.com, The David Pakman Show, The Rachel Maddow Show, A Best of the Left Activism Update, Throwing Shade, The Majority Report, and The Young Turks. And a note for our female listeners, this episode contains discussions of science and female anatomy, so I recommend that you have a male legislator on hand to explain it to you. America leads the world in science. America leads the world in leaders. Combine the two and you've got the House Science and Lady Parts Committee. While its most famous member, Professor Todd Akin, recently revealed his exciting discoveries in the field of human reproduction, his is just one of the many brilliant Republican minds on this House committee. Professor Aiken focused on human reproduction, but his colleague, Dr. Paul Brown, is focused on the miracle of fish conception. Salmon can still conceive, even if their habitat is shut down under tons of legitimate mining debris. Dr. Brown is also known for his groundbreaking study of fruit and vegetable recommendations. And with the hottest July on record, the committee's scientists continue to challenge the consensus of man-made global warming with earth-shattering new theories. Technology experts on the House Science and Lady Parts Committee have years of experience researching and controlling the tubes of the Internet. And honorary members of the committee have shared and promoted new inventions as their political star shines like a supernova. While other scientists are enthralled with the witchcraft of evolution, committee members advocate for the sound science of creationism and intelligent design. So as others get caught up in unsound theories and hoaxes, the House Science and Lady Parts Committee continues its work researching and mapping the untold mysteries of the universe. Well, I got the invitation that you sent to everyone. And I told you family picnics weren't exactly my idea of Todd Aiken, remember when he said that in a case of legitimate rape, uh, the body has a way of just shutting that whole thing down? Every time I say it, it sounds more and more ridiculous. Right. Now, Todd Aiken, Missouri Senate candidate on the Republican side against incumbent Democrat Claire McCaskill, is saying he's opposed to the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. Why is he opposed to it? This is why. Take a listen to this video. Yes, sir. You voted against the Lily Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. I think everybody knows that. Why do you think it is okay for a woman to be paid less for doing the same work as a man? Well, first of all, the premise of your question is, is that I'm making that, that particular distinction. I believe in free enterprise. I don't think the government should be telling people what you pay and what you don't pay. I think it's about freedom. If somebody wants to hire somebody and they agree on a salary, that's fine, however it wants to work. And uh, so the government sticking its nose into all kinds of things has got... So let's analyze this idea. Right? I guess we should eliminate uh, minimum wage, too. Well, he would advocate for that. It's yeah. fascinating because he's saying, you know... Uh, the, 
it, I just don't want the government saying people should be paid more or less. Let's, let's think about it in a different way for a second and really call it what it is. Why should black people not be paid less than white people, right? I mean, why, or, or why should someone with a mobility issue that doesn't affect their ability to do the job, maybe an amputated leg, they're in a wheelchair, why shouldn't a company be allowed to pay them less money for the same work? Or how about this? Uh, oh, well, oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, how about this? Uh, let's not tell restaurant owners whether uh, they can keep certain races of people out of the restaurant. Let's not let's not dictate to them what they can do. That's exactly right. It's not specifically that I. And then Todd Aiken would say, "Listen, it's not specifically that I want black people or disabled people to make less. It's that I believe in free enterprise, and I believe if businesses want to have a policy of paying black people less, they should be able to. And you know what? Let's take it a step further. Natan's point." If you're a business that sells products, why not charge black people more? Or why not charge women more for that exact same product? It's just free enterprise, and the market will kind of just sort its way out. Todd yeah. Aiken's starting to sound a bit like Ron Paul. <laughs> well, it, the freedom, right? Exactly. Yeah. He also went on to say that Claire McCaskill isn't ladylike. That's, I mean, this, this guy is just going down the, the, the complete wrong path. Very, very sad. Uh, so there's Todd Aiken's latest for you. Maybe not as outwardly shocking as the legitimate rape comment, but upon just a cursory analysis, just as ridiculous. Just as ridiculous. Fifty years ago this weekend, the University of Mississippi was integrated by force. The federal government intervened to force the University of Mississippi to admit an African-American student against the state's will, asserting that federal law overruled what the state wanted to do in this case. The federal government saying to Ole Miss, you cannot operate your state university as a segregated whites-only institution. That same principle, that same constitutional protection applies not just to public institutions, but to private institutions as well. Some of them, right? Under the 1964 Civil Rights Act, you cannot operate a private business that serves the public that also excludes people based on their race. You can't operate your business, for example, like this, right? Even if it is your private business, and even if your local law enforcement authorities are okay with it, and even if your state's governor says stuff like segregation now, segregation tomorrow, segregation forever. You're, you're part of the United States of America, and under our Constitution, you cannot operate racially discriminatory businesses. Nobody thinks you can do this anymore, right? Lives were lost and a lot of blood was shed to enforce that basic constitutional American principle. But it is settled now, right? Well, it, it was settled. It was a settled matter in mainstream American political thought until the last couple of years. When Kentucky Republican Rand Paul won a seat in the United States Senate in 2010, it was after a campaign in which that future senator said that the 1964 Civil Rights Act made him uncomfortable. He wasn't sure, he said, that anybody should be able to tell a private business that, for example, you have to serve black people. Would you have voted for the Civil Rights Act of 1964?
I like the Civil Rights Act in the sense that it ended discrimination in all public um, uh, domains, and I'm all in favor of that. But... <laughs> you had to ask me the but. Um, I don't like the idea of telling private business owners. I abhor racism. I think it's a bad business decision to ever exclude anybody from your restaurant. But at the same time, I do believe in private ownership. But I think there should be absolutely no discrimination in anything that gets any public funding. And that's most of what the Civil Rights Act was about, uh, to my mind. But maybe voting against the Civil Rights Act, which wasn't just about governmental discrimination, but public accommodation. The idea that people who provided well, services that were open to the public had to do so in a non-discriminatory fashion. Let me ask you a specific so that we don't get into the esoteric hypotheticals well, there's, well, there's here. Well, there's ten different... There's ten different titles, you know, to the Civil Rights Act, and nine out of ten deal with public institutions, and I'm absolutely in favor of. One deals with private institutions, and had I been around, I would have tried to modify that. Then-candidate Rand Paul and I went around and around and around on that issue for about 20 minutes on this show back when he was running. And he would not say that businesses discriminating on the basis of race should be illegal. He said he was against it and it was a bad idea, but it shouldn't be illegal. That was early on in his race, but within a day of that interview on this show, Rand Paul walked it all back. He recanted what he had said before, releasing a statement saying that he does support the Civil Rights Act. He said, quote, I will unequivocally state that I will not support any efforts to repeal the Civil Rights Act of 1964. So that happened. That was in 2010, right? He had started to run a Senate campaign that was against the Civil Rights Act, that was against banning segregation and racial discrimination from businesses. He got pressed on that issue until it nearly broke him, and then he recanted. That was in 2010. Now, in 2012, next big election, the Republicans are running another Senate candidate who is making a very similar case against civil rights law. In this case, he's making an argument that businesses in this country should be able to discriminate in how they pay their employees. In other words, if a private business wants to pay its Asian workers or its black workers half of what it pays its white workers, that should be allowed. Because, you know, freedom. They should be allowed to pay women less than they pay men. It's not illegal discrimination on his view. It's just a private business's private decision. Yes, sir. You voted against the Lilly Ledbetter Fair Pay Act. I think you might want that. Why do you think it is okay for a woman to be paid less for doing the same work as a man? Well, first of all, the premise of your question is, is that I'm making that, that particular distinction. I believe in free enterprise. I don't think the government should be telling people what you pay and what you don't pay. I think it's about freedom. If somebody wants to hire somebody and they agree on a salary, that's fine, however it wants to work. And uh, so the government sticking its nose into all kinds of things has gotten us into huge trouble. Democratic Senator Claire McCaskill has just released that tape of her opponent in this year's election, Congressman Todd Akin. Todd Akin explaining why it's cool for businesses to discriminate when they pay their employees. Who's the government to come in and tell businesses they have to pay people the same money for the same work? If business owners want to discriminate on race or on gender, say a business owner wants to pay a woman less than a man because she is a woman, that's the business's decision. If they want to pay black people less than white people, that must be up to them too, right? 
The country has a debt to pay Todd Akin this year, because in a year when the boundaries all get very fuzzy, Todd Akin as a man has become the personification of the bounds of Republican political acceptability. We, we thought that he had established that saying some rapes are legitimate and some are illegitimate uh, put him outside the bounds of political acceptability for Republicans. We thought that put him outside the realm of what you can say and still be a Republican candidate for U.S. Senate. And that was true for about a month when the Republicans turned their backs on him. But now Republicans have decided they're actually okay with him on that. He picked up the endorsements of former Missouri Governor Kit Bond and Missouri Senator Roy Blunt last week. These four sitting U.S. Senators are reportedly acting as honorary hosts of a Todd Akin fundraiser this Wednesday in Washington. And after saying that Todd Akin should drop out of the race, after saying that the party would not send him a penny, Republican Party Chairman Reince Priebus now says that the party is dedicated to doing everything it can to promote the entire ticket of Republicans running in Missouri, including Todd Akin. He says, quote, well, absolutely, that's a given. And as chairman of the party, I have an obligation to make sure we win as many seats in the Senate as possible. Todd Akin has already put his fellow Republicans in a pretty tough position by not jumping out of the race when he became the legitimate rape guy. Uh, but now that they've all given up on denouncing him, now that they've decided that being the legitimate rape guy does not disqualify you from getting the support of the Republican Party establishment, now Todd Akin has a whole laundry list of other issues to test the threshold of Republican acceptable politics. Because since he floated his fake science theory about pregnancy and rape, since then, he has also described his Democratic opponent, the incumbent senator, as, quote, unladylike. Also, the folks at Right Wing Watch released video from him, uh, video of him from last year, reminiscing about spending time in jail for illegally blocking the entrance of an abortion clinic. And we now know that he is defending his vote against fair pay for women, not by saying that women's, uh, women don't suffer in terms of pay discrimination, but by saying instead that he just doesn't believe that discrimination is wrong. He doesn't believe that businesses should have to follow any laws about who they discriminate against. I don't think the government should be telling people what you pay and what you don't pay. The government shouldn't tell you what you pay and what you don't pay. Fair pay, schmear pay. Discrimination is just freedom for business owners who are getting a really good deal on their lady workers. Republicans now have to weigh how badly they want a Republican candidate for Senate in Missouri to win in the abstract. They have to weigh that against how much it's going to cost them to be associated with the legitimate rape, you're unladylike, jailed abortion protester, I'm against civil rights guy in Missouri. And now that he has said that businesses should be able to discriminate in how they pay their workers, inevitably, what's the next question, right? Inevitably, you know he's going to be asked now about how else businesses should be allowed to discriminate. Inevitably now, Todd Akin is going to be asked about segregated lunch counters. And what do you think he's going to say to that? Do you want to bet $10,000 or otherwise? Hey, Mitt Romney. Hey, Reince Priebus. Are you sure you absolutely support Todd Akin's candidacy? You're just going to wait until he answers that next question on segregation before you cut him loose for good?
Welcome to the Best of the Left Activism Update. My name is Lauren, and I'm the Activism Czar at bestoftheleft.com. Republican Congressman Todd Akin is at it again. The man who is seeking election as Missouri's next senator, who earlier this fall was quoted saying the female body has a way to, quote, shut down pregnancy from, quote, legitimate rape, apparently is forging ahead with yet another outrageous claim. Right now, his campaign is standing by statements Representative Aiken made in 2008 when he claimed that doctors perform abortions on women who, quote, are not actually pregnant. Aiken's evidence consists of a news report from 1978 and the claims of a former Planned Parenthood official. Rick Tyler, a spokesman for Aiken, went on to elaborate, quote, There's ample evidence that abortion doctors on any number of occasions have deceived women into thinking that they're pregnant and then collect money for a procedure that they don't perform. In an even more unbelievable twisting of the truth, when confronted, Aiken said that the injustice of abortions performed on non-pregnant women was the real war on women. His extreme record only matches Aiken's appalling ignorance. In 2011, Representative Aiken co-sponsored a House bill, H.R. 3, that proposed redefining rape to only cases of, quote, forcible rape to deny access to women's health services. And his number one supporter was, you guessed it, Paul Ryan. It remains outrageous that this man, whose jaw-dropping ignorance, only matched by his clear, uneducated understanding of women's reproductive physiology, can sit on a committee devoted to overseeing science policy. So here's what you can do. At leftaction.com, there is currently a petition to have John Boehner remove Representative Aiken immediately from the House Science and Technology Committee. Please follow our link at bit.ly slash remove Aiken and sign the petition today. Enough is enough. Aiken does not have the right to speak on behalf of women or their bodies. His junk evidence has been debunked, and he has lost the right to determine what is or is not scientific truth. Nor should he be able to make decisions on scientific policy. Let's fight back and hold those who actually contribute to the war on women accountable. This has been a Best of the Left activism update. For more information about the link in this segment, please consult the show notes at bestoftheleft.com. Likewise, if you yourself have an activist call to action you want featured on the show, you can email me directly at lauren at bestoftheleft.com. If there's a question bothering your brain that you think you know how to explain, you need a test. Yeah, think of a test. Here at Best of the Left, supporting the good works of others is our entire reason for existence. Since the beginning of 2006, I've been making this show to highlight what I consider to be some of the best of the truly liberal media. Now I'm working on several ways to promote the best progressive activism around. Ruminate for a moment on whether you enjoy this show or consider its goals to be worthwhile, and if you do, please consider supporting this work by becoming a member for as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year at the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. It's the donations of members that allow the show to continue and continue to improve. Thanks so much for your support. Give it up. Always. No. Wait, I'll spread my legs for you. What's up? No, that's not what I'm talking about. You need to... This is all I'm saying. Your fight... For t- for birth control. Oh, and I don't like it when you no, say that. No, I mean, it. you're fighting birth control. That's like, better. Trying to control your own body. Well, yeah. And you know what I you know what I call birth control? What? My manifest 
no destiny. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. then it's like you're manifest, but then you can't go anywhere with it because, because you're cutting, because it's contra- cutting off human, exactly. the human evolution, like b- pr- producing other humans. Yeah, exactly. For instance, the, if you were a <gasps> band, it would be destiny, no child. Destiny's no child. I know what's happening here. What? You're jelly. Well, you're, you're glue. No, you're jelly. What's je- the saying? You're, you're, you're jelly, I'm glue, whatever sticks to me, you eat, and then I'll take it back later or whatever. Right. Put it on Put it on a challah bread and yeah, then put serve, it on an serve some tea. You're jelly, I'm butter. Or no, you're jelly, I'm glue. Whatever you say, I'm going to sweat on challah. And whatever I say, just get a piece of paper and cut a heart and stick it on a wall. Yes. those are And those are the two ways that you use those two things. Yeah. But what I'm saying is I think you're jealous. Of what? That women can do that and ga- and gay men can't. Do you understand that the best contraception in the world is being gay? Why is that? Because you can't have babies. Huh. Okay. It's foolproof. Right. It's foolproof. But you're still jealous that we can control it. I'm jealous. Yes, I'm jealous like, that you Like, what if tr- you could take a pill that made it so that you could have an orgasm, but you didn't, sperm didn't come out? Guys don't need to take pills for orgasms. You didn't understand. You didn't hear anything I just said. Wait, that the sperm wouldn't come out? Yeah. If I could take a pill and or I don't mind sperm. I do mind sperm to be honest with you. I don't like the it's too hard to like I, we've talked about this. You have to wipe it off. I think that's weird. Right. Well, it's what happens when something comes out of your body like No, that. it's just like it's just it's, it's you know what it is? It's, it's like creamy bars. It's creamy bars. We're saying the same thing yeah. basically. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if you've heard of these of these particular nuns. I know that for a while you were in Nonsense. Yeah. How long were you in Nonsense for? Oh, the musical. Yeah, you did dinner theater in in Texas. You did Nonsense. God, for I did how long? Nonsense for I think three months. I was kicked out. Yeah. Well, because I I try I knocked the U out of all the cards and put an O in. So it, nonsense. So it spelled nonsense. That's I was like, awful. This, I don't like puns. Also, how did you knock them out? Were they, were they was it done with blocks? Yeah. Oh, I see. All children's blocks. It was a very layered <laughs> yeah. interpretation of nonsense. There's a lot nonsense. happening with that performance. Well, there's a group of Ohio nuns who are calling themselves the Children of Mary. They just released this... Uh, Mary and, Jane? These are pot-smoking nuns? They, they might be. Or it's like Children of Mary. I yeah. thought maybe, you know, they were like... So, like Rodin. Children of gay people. Yeah, oh, exactly. Okay. Or Mary, all of Mary Tyler Moore's kids uh-huh. who all became nuns. It's none of those people. They're a group of Ohio nuns who just released this anti-contraception video this weekend. And the idea is to sort of make young girls afraid of using of using birth control. Exactly. And condoms? Exactly. No. Just make them afraid to like of what could happen. And the video was called "You Deserve to Know the Truth: Colon Contraception." It's full so of, they're going to do a series of this. Yes, it's full of science that is definitely not accurate. Like it's full of like with the prevalence of contraception, uh, it's no wonder adultery is on the rise, as is promiscuity, homosexual behavior, even abortion due to failed contraception. So they're saying that's because because of contraception, promiscuity is on the rise. All this stuff is happening. Sure. And uh, then they go on to talk about how the entire world's population could fit comfortably into the state of Texas. And uh, what? because the world's getting so small, which is dangerous, I guess, they say the fewer humans there are because people have stopped having babies, um, that the fewer humans there are, the worse it is for the world. Here's where it They're gets from Texas, right? right. Yeah. Here's where or Ohio, actually. But here's oh, where right. it gets super, super interesting. They say that the real reason, the uh, this is how they start their argument, that birth control is bad is because it makes ladies less desirable to men. And they go on this whole what? pheromone theory that, like, 
pheromones shut off, or that you know is pheromones attract men. I know it sounds like this is weird. a rap. This is a rap, basically. Wait, do they rap or do they just talk? No, they just talk. Oh, Rich. I don't know why the whole time I think they were rapping. <laughs> no, um, because I said video and you instantly think music. Video, <laughs> Always maybe. rap. Yeah, when you say video. So the idea here is that the pill fools women's bodies into thinking they're pregnant and thus blocks the flow of pheromones. Those nuns don't understand how dicks work. Exactly. Dicks don't. Dicks can't smell, number one. No, and that's that whole thing. Remember how they talk about Spanish flies being a pheromone? But it's like not... That doesn't really exist. Like, humans can't really smell This is all based on nonsense. Yeah. Nonsense! Exactly. So... They go back to this theory. There was a study done in the 70s. Oh, God. The most recent study ever. Yes, exactly. That said, it basically tested it on this male monkey and these three female monkeys. And they basically shot them up with what was essentially the pill, like a contraceptive thing. And originally, he had been really into them and wanted to have sex with all three and wanted relationships with all three. After they were shot up, he didn't want relationships with these women. So then they put him with another group of women. The same thing happened. Like, they, you know, just to see, like, if they shoot him up, will this happen again? By the way, this has never once been proven in a human, and the study was not even cited. It just said in the 1970s there was a monkey, basically. And so then they put him with three male monkeys, and he wanted to be with the men after because these women were basically on the pill. What if he's a sex addict monkey? Like, well, what, if, is, what if he's a bisexual sex addict it, monkey? There could have been Did a million things. Did anybody ask him what he wanted? It could have been a million things, but here's the problem. You put me in a cage with three monkeys, and I probably won't want to fuck him after a couple weeks, too. Exactly. This is the warning, though, to all women using contraception. You are making men gay. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, well, you know what? It's a big problem, because if people... If women, if the girls I know who are way too liberated, let's be, let's start so there. So me. You. If you, Aaron, do you understand that if you weren't using contraception, we'd be fucking. That's. Absolutely. The I would only take reason. off your bra. I would take off your underpinnings and I would, you know, I would wrap your, your well, soft, supple leg. I would fold everything up, put it in your drawers. I would pull back your bed just to make sure that, you know... Um, it's clean. I, I did change. I changed my you sheets did. on Saturday. Okay, good. Yeah. Then I would be comfortable. Because I was going to say, otherwise I would have to wash your sheets first. They're clean, yeah. Oh, okay, great. Um, I would probably, just for fun, put on like a little blindfold or something. You know what I mean? Just for on fun. Who? Just to get you? No, me. Yeah. Yeah. Just to really get in the mood. I would caress your cheeks. I would feel your cheekbones to make sure they were like... You know, I, I like a woman with a good cheekbone. So yeah, I, just I have pretty good them. cheekbones. Yeah. And the other thing I could do, too, if it helped you to be not gay outside of the fact that we're, this contraception's out of the picture, yeah. or is in the picture... Wait, which? how does it work? Point you, is, I would put bronzer on. Oh, I would, you would. I would, I would? I would even highlight more my cheekbones if you that would. helps you. That yeah. would help. And then I would just put a your nice hair in a contour. sensible bun, probably. Yeah. yeah. And a then, loose um, bun or a tight bun? Do you want librarian or do you want hipster? Uh, I want librarian. Okay. So well, the t- honestly, the tightest bun imaginable. So I have some, and I have some great, I have this Shuimura hair oil mm-hmm. that gives my hair a really nice sheen, so you can put some of that on over it. Okay. And then, I don't know what kind of wine you like. Oh, I mean, no, I need like 100 proof alcohol. Oh, I have Everclear. Yeah, great. Does that work? Yeah, so and I then, just need to and then, clear. And then here's the other thing. I don't know how you feel about... I have this um, really nice crystal exfoliant. Oh, that'd be wonderful. If you wonderful. wanted to like, do that before we got busy. I would love to do some crystal exfoliant with some you. Some really nice... It's ori- I would even crystal meth, honestly, if we had to. Yeah, it's an Origins ginger ginger smelling. It's very nice. Makes that'd your be skin wonderful. very soft. So I would say after about three hours of preparation, and once you're in your underpinnings... Yeah. I would... 
absolutely have sex with you if you weren't if you weren't weren't using contraception. Right, exactly. Are you on the pill? Have we no. talked about Well then what's your what's my problem with you? I don't know. Oh, maybe you're not attracted to me. Maybe you're attracted oh, I really wanted to believe these nuns that, that contraception was female contraception was making men gay. I know what kind of woman you're probably into. Tell me. And and we don't see this kind of woman very much. This is why you don't know that you are able to be straight. But the you know the kind of woman who wears like tank tops and looks like Billy Idol? Yeah. I think that's your type. I like that kind of I like a woman with a severe chop and a, some nice um Yeah, tips. plays bass. Yeah. 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 That to me is fun. Yeah. And really, and sexy. I bet that's the kind of woman you could have sex with. And just a full sniz bush. Yes. You know what I mean? Full sniz. Full sniz. That's, that's a term everyone knows. So, basically, uh, yeah. It, it, contraception blocks pheromones, it can, which confuses men and leads them to start having sex with each other. God, really, nuns understand how dumb men are. Exactly. Like, they really are so stupid. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like, I think, I think hating people... If there's people, one thing nuns understand, it's men. They, they are, they are at the core of what men are about. Absolutely. What they do is they study men, they're, they're intimate with men, they really get inside men's heads both of them, probably, yeah. I'm yeah. sure. They oh, well, yeah, nuns regular have sex, head and, right? and, and uh, dickhead. And it's, I think bes- underneath Jesus, men are the number two things that nuns know the most about. Number three is uh, holy water. Yeah, absolutely. How to make holy water. So um, while women are making men gay, and I had touched on this earlier, they also believe in this, uh, they think that overpopulation is a myth. Well, here's the thing. Is every country overpopulated? Uh, no. Yeah, exactly. Some are. Well, these women believe that because of women using this stuff that we're at the risk of extinction. And they say, the video says, we're not stray cats that need to be neutered. We should want to procreate knowing that every new person has a unique and immortal soul designed to live for all eternity. Oh, it must be nice to think that people live on little house on the prairie. Pregnancy is not a risk. They went on to say it's a privilege. Oh, it's not a risk, huh? Contraception is the path that has led us to the culture of death that is prevalent in the world today, but it doesn't have to be the path of our future. If someone you know is contracepting, tell them to stop. Not a verb. It will destroy them. You don't contracept? Destroy them. You've got, it will destroy them. You've got to contracept. I contracept at, at, at any moment. I encourage any woman who is on the pill to ignore your doctor's advice and just get off it immediately so that all your gay friends can become straight. Do you know the craziest I've ever been was when I stopped taking the pill? The craziest. Really? Yeah. Like, what did you do? What was the craziest thing you did? All I, well, I cried a lot. Uh-huh. And my first period off of the pill, I was in such debilitating pain that I couldn't get off the floor. That I, I woke up in, with shooting pain. I was on the bedroom floor and I called my ex-husband and oh I knew God. he had just had back surgery. Yeah. And I said, I, and he, and he, he's the only person besides you that has a key to my apartment. And I said, I need you to bring me whatever pain pills you have. And he came to my door, opened the door, went in my bedroom. I couldn't get off the floor, brought me water. And then in an hour I could move. I could get up. Because oh it, my god! I don't know. One of the reasons I'm not on the pill right now is I don't have a boyfriend, and I think it would take me at least six to nine months of dating someone before I would get back on it. I'd have to be sure that it was worth that because it affects women. I know it affects people in different ways. It affects people in different ways. So I don't understand like this whole like this nun, these nuns being like, 
they almost are treating it so casually like it's no big deal to be on the on the pill. It's a huge fucking deal. You're messing with your chemistry. A lot of women don't want to be on it because of that reason, but they also don't want to have babies. It's just anybody who's painting anything with broad brushstrokes is in the wrong period. End of story. And these women saying that that's what makes men gay. Yeah, because they they shut women shut off their their pheromone like it's it's inhibited. Well, what basically. makes women gay? Women that lies. I mean, they they make, they make they, it up. Like they're, just, they're making it up. Ugh. They're making it up. They haven't had enough. You know what I mean? Like they're ma- they're mad. They're mad. We That's what makes women. This gay. is the, this is what I loved about being in nonsense. Mm-hmm. There was none of this. to share with you the humor of the night. Nonsense is savage morning, let us tell you why. When a sister gets a dog, it's a special high. There is nothing we can do once we get a lamp or two. It's something we cannot control once we're on a roll. Hey, did you hear the one about the traveling sales nun? She really was a yes. Rode into town upon a horse and landed on her racer. Nonsense may be habit forming, but let us draw the line. Cut the cheap shots, why be common? We can be divine. Let's talk about this Rush Limbaugh clip. Uh, There's been this research study done which indicated that the average size of a male penis is about 10% smaller now than it was 50 years ago. Now, the reasons that the the test cites for this uh, uh, reduction are three. Excess weight gain, particularly around the waist, environmental pollutants in the air have had a negative impact on penis size, and then stress, smoking, and alcohol intake may be playing a factor. Now, Rush Limbaugh heard this, and he had a different idea. His idea was, this must be uh, feminists. Feminists, or as Rush calls them, feminazis, are the reason for smaller penis size, Lewis. Here's what Rush Limbaugh had to say. I have a story it's from Philadelphia, CBS News, CBS Eyeball News. If size matters, male private parts are shrinking, according to a new Italian study on sexuality. <laughs> the study's leaders, kids are back in school now, it's okay. Well, it's September 20th, it's just adults out there now. The study's leaders claim to have bona fide research. I say bona fide, probably here. Bona fide research. So that far. says the average size of a penis is roughly 10% smaller than it was 50 years ago. And the researchers say air pollution is why. Air pollution, global warming, has been shown to negatively impact penis size. Italian researchers. I don't buy this. I think it's feminism. I think if it's if it's tied to the last 50 years, the average size of uh, member is uh, 10% smaller than it's 50 years it has to be the feminazis. Of course, ladies and gentlemen, it's the feminazis. So this is interesting. I mean, I guess we've we this study certainly confirms but through Rush, Rush uh, Limbaugh's reaction uh, what his specific insecurities are, don't right. you think? Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say he's just trying to come up with an excuse for himself. Um, from all the statements I've heard Rush Limbaugh make over over the years, I've never really considered him an expert on anything. But maybe he really is an expert on shrinkage. I don't know. Could be. Um, he's certainly an expert at uh, embarrassing himself, which <laughs> so he has that- done yet again. Everyone- 
one comes from somewhere Some from the bottom, some the top Nobody comes from nowhere And most of us don't know just what we've got As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. I don't have any siblings, so I don't practice much restraint. Conservative New York uh, politician calls Lady Gaga a slut for smoking weed. What? <laughs> Who is this? This is going to be like one of those. I think it was the Staten Island Borough President, actually. James Molinaro. Oh, she's a slut. Look at her. He's got a picture. She's smoking weed. It's in, Staten Island. They don't she's count. smoking weed in Amsterdam. Here's a picture of her smoking weed in Amsterdam. Staten Island doesn't count. What? Staten Island just don't even listen to whatever comes out of there. It just doesn't even, it's not even on the radar. There's Gaga. Here's this. This I would call her a slut, he said. This slut is influencing many, many children. You understand that she's a slut. And I don't want, can you imagine to have a girl, a young girl, see this slut whore? This this piece of garbage, female. Well, how would that influence young girls? Like, the guy doesn't even realize what he's doing. This this woman is like a prostitute. She should be at home in a kitchen, and she's sending the wrong message to young girls. <laughs> he's, unbelievable, unbelievable. Hey, you know what? With all due respect to James Molinaro, I'm looking at him, and I can't wait for age to catch up with him just a little bit more. Should we listen to him talk? Is it about Lady Gaga? Yeah. Let's listen. All right. Here it is. James Molinaro basically uh, upset about Lady Gaga smoking pot in, in Amsterdam, where it's legal. And... And referring to her, well, because he cares about the young girls out there. Here it is, Staten Island uh, Borough Chief. In a story you'll see first on New York One, the Staten Island Borough President has some choice words for an international pop star while attending the launch of a campaign focused on getting teens away from drugs and alcohol. James Molinaro says the media and celebrities are promoting a specific lifestyle, and he singled out New York native Lady Gaga in particular. To me... She's not an actress. She is a slut in the, in the pure void, in the pure being of the void. Your one has reached out to Lady Gaga for a comment, but have not received a response. She's... <laughs> Let me say this. She's not, um, she's not an actress. Actually, she's a singer, but, but uh, she's slut, pure slut, in the pure sense of the word, like slut. 
L listen, kids, don't be a slut. Right. Girls out there, don't be a slut. Don't go and ask for it. And don't travel to foreign countries, too. That's disgusting. Get up there and travel or dance or sing. Don't do that. Oh, what are you getting a job for? This guy just got reelected two times more uh, in Staten Island. Weesh. We sailed our ship up the Hudson River to the wild Atlantic. We said farewell on Staten Island. When we landed, there we had our tale to tell. We're the poor, the huddled masses. We have crossed the lonely sea. Left the old world for the new world. Left the old ways to be free. We left our homes in 47. Turned our backs against the wind. From our ships of picking timber, we bid farewell to a famished land. We're the poor, the huddled masses. We have crossed the lonely sea. Left the old world for the new world. Left the old ways to be free. Over the weekend, there was a blog that went viral that I really wanted to bring to everyone's attention because it kind of brings a different perspective to the abortion debate. So oftentimes, uh, the conservative go-to argument is, well, you know, if, if, we, if your mother had aborted you, you wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be enjoying this great life. So we should ban abortion so everyone has the ability to enjoy their lives. And, you know, even if they're born in terrible, terrible circumstances, they can rise above it and, you know, they can become whatever they want to be. And it's always some inspiring story, right? And it'll always be some person who had a horrible childhood, but they overcame all the obstacles and they're happy that their mother decided not to have an abortion. Well, this woman by the name of Lynn Briesner, uh, wrote this blog that is going viral now and she talks about how she wished her mother had aborted her mm -hmm. now obviously that is an attention-grabbing uh, title to her blog uh, and I was curious to see what she had to say but she kind of talks about how her mother was abusive she was in no position to give birth to her and even though now she's living a decent life that she's completely happy with she totally wishes that her mother would have aborted her anyway yeah, I, I have a hard time sort of wrapping my head around that, as I think yeah. many of the readers did. Look, she seems completely genuine in this. I have no real reason to doubt that she means what she says, but it's also questionable whether or not she just wanted the attention, and this is a particularly interesting way to frame it. Um, she says that she has a better life now than she did when she was younger, so I don't understand how she did the calculus that... Well, I, let, me just, let me just say one thing. I don't think she did this for attention, um, because, of course, writing this type of blog will get you a significant amount of negative attention, and I'm sure mm -hmm. that she didn't want that. I think it was actually pretty courageous of her to write this kind of blog, but I just want to read you some parts of it that um, I thought were very powerful. She said, an abortion would have absolutely been better for my mother. An abortion would have made it more likely that she would finish high school and get a college education. At college in the late 1960s, it seems likely she would have found feminism or psychology or something that would have helped her overcome her childhood trauma and pick better partners. So there she's talking about her mom mm -hmm. and how, you know, giving birth when she wasn't ready was horrible for her mother, right? And that was powerful to know that this is like one of the most selfless things you can say. You know, you're living now, you have, you know, a happy life, but you wish that your mother would have made that decision, not just for you, but for herself. Mm -hmm. She goes on to talk about her childhood. 
An abortion would have been best for me because there's no way that my love-starved, trauma-addled mother could have ever put me up for adoption. It was either abortion or raising me herself, and she was in no position to raise a child. She had suffered a traumatic brain injury, witnessed and experienced severe domestic violence, and while she was in grade school, she was raped by a stranger and her mother committed suicide. She was severely depressed and suicidal, had an extremely poor support system, was experiencing an unplanned pregnancy that resulted from coercive sex, and she was so young that her brain was still undeveloped. That's a pretty harsh story. And look, I should, I should say in regard to what I said earlier about not understanding her point really or not being able to place myself in the same situation, perhaps I just haven't had a hard enough life. I mean, mm -hmm. I certainly, I'm not from rich parents or anything like that. My, my parents are divorced. Um, but uh, I certainly didn't have it as bad as she did. Now, I, I do agree with her point, or, or what you said earlier about having a problem with the argument that, look, they're, they're all worth something, and you know, if you can have a baby, there's no reason to abort it. But as so many simplistic arguments do, that falls apart when you take it just one or two steps further. Um, then why, don't, why aren't women continuously pregnant, conservative women? If you shouldn't abort children that you've gone one or two steps towards, why aren't you pregnant as soon as your body is physically capable? And just keep pumping kids out, and it doesn't matter if you can't feed them enough. It doesn't matter if you can't put clothes on them. It doesn't matter. Just keep having babies because even if it's a bad life, it's going to be better than nothing. Right. I, I, I totally see what you're saying. And their argument is, well, you know, if you truly feel like you are in a predicament and you are not in the right position to have children, then just don't have sex. And that's always their argument. But it's mm -hmm. an unrealistic argument because we're human and people are going to have sex anyway. The best thing They're you can do... They're free to do, follow that. Right. And look, the best thing you can do, by the way, is educate people to prevent them from getting pregnant, give them access to birth control, which is something that they're against. So it's kind of... I, I feel like they have this conflicting ideology where they want people to not have abortions. Well, if you mm -hmm. don't want to have, if you don't want people to have abortions, then provide contraception. Mm -hmm. Provide access to comprehensive sex education. Those are the things that are important. Back to the issue of, of this woman saying she wishes she had been aborted. Um, I believe her, and here's why. Uh, we often would sacrifice ourselves for the benefit of our loved ones. I mean, would I die for my parents? Uh, maybe. Would I die for my children? Definitely. Um, and in her way, she's saying basically she would sacrifice her life for the benefit of her mother's life. And she's saying that if she were aborted, it's not really even being murdered or killed or sacrificing your life much later. It's just something that, that means she just never would have existed in the first place. It would have given her mother a better opportunity. And her point, which I think is actually very uh, in, in, uh, interesting and also kind of a, a deep and and a smart one is that it's not that the world would be deprived of this great, amazing life that she represents. Um, and that she even says that she's a net negative to the world in terms of how many resources she has to draw upon just to be where she is today. And her very interesting point is that if her mother didn't have her, she might have had someone better at a better time that's better for everyone involved later. Mm -hmm. So that's a really interesting comment because um, just because you abort a baby doesn't mean that this world is necessarily one less life, you know, um, you know, missing from it. You can have another baby later when it's better for everyone involved. It's about planning your life and it's about making the right decisions when it comes to having a baby. And you want to give women the opportunity to make that decision for themselves.
In the great swing state of Virginia, the latest polling shows Republican George Allen and Democrat Tim, Tim Kaine tied in their race for U.S. Senate. Not virtually tied, actually tied. They both have 44%. And into that incredibly tight race, Democrats today dropped a new ad hitting Republican George Allen for his own voting record on women's rights issues, trying to tie him to the anti-abortion record of Virginia's Republican legislature and governor this year. See that headline? Personhood and ultrasound bills advance in House. George Allen was not a member of the Virginia House of Delegates that advanced those bills this year, but Democrats apparently think it's a good strategy in campaigning against any Republican in Virginia to just remind everyone that that's the kind of stuff Virginia Republicans have been up to lately. Personhood rights for fertilized eggs and banning contraception and banning abortion and forced ultrasounds for ladies. And, you know, if you look closely at the polling in Virginia, you will see that Republicans are facing a real problem with women voters. The latest polling in Virginia in the presidential race shows President Obama up overall in the state by two points. But check out the numbers among women voters in Virginia. 18. Oh, President Obama up by an 18-point margin. And what might be motivating all these Virginia women to line up against the Republican candidate in this very, very swingy state? Well, here's an idea. A new Suffolk University poll out this week asked about the forced ultrasound law passed by the Republicans in the legislature in Virginia this year, signed into law by the Republican governor in the state, Bob McDonnell. Virginia voters oppose that law by 17 points. The anti-abortion crusade that has been undertaken this year by Republican-led state government in Virginia is not popular in Virginia. And now Virginia women are prepared to take it out on the presidency, right? They're, plan to, they're planning to vote against the Republicans' candidate for president in their state by 18 points. And that was the context for a really important move made by Virginia's Republican Attorney General this week, a move that could be important for the presidential race in Virginia. Ken Cuccinelli this week certified a new set of regulations that are targeted only at abortion clinics in the state. These new rules are not for oral surgeons or plastic surgery centers. They're just targeting abortion providers. It's red tape that is specifically designed to make it economically impossible to operate an abortion clinic in Virginia. And that is what's expected to happen in the state. Most of the state's abortion clinics are in danger of being closed once these new rules go into effect. The state's health board had initially voted to exempt existing clinics from the most onerous of the red tape. But Bob McDonnell and Ken Cuccinelli weighed in. They went back and pushed the board to apply the new red tape designed to close the clinics to all the existing clinics in the state. And a couple of weeks ago, the health board did what Bob McDonnell and Ken Cuccinelli told them and threatened them to do. And now these new rules are expected to cause most of Virginia's 20 abortion clinics to close their doors. Bob McDonald this week denied that the regulations are designed to shut down clinics. He said that the new rules are just going to contribute to the expense of operating an abortion clinic, calling it, quote, a cost issue. So technically, he wants you to know he's not just shutting down the clinics. He's just making it prohibitively expensive to operate one. Same diff, right? And if the clinic shut down because Bob McDonald has made it too expensive for them to operate in his state with targeted regulation that's just about them and not about any other form of health provider, well, I guess just abortion access wasn't meant to be in Virginia. We've seen the same thing in Mississippi this year. The Republican governor there signed a new law that had the same, same approach, targeting the state's one remaining single abortion clinic in Mississippi for special regulations. Here's what he said about that. I think it's historic. Um, today you see the first step uh, in a movement, I believe, to do what we campaigned on, to say we're going to try to end abortion in Mississippi. We're going to continue to try to work uh, to end abortion in Mississippi, and this is an historic day uh, to begin that process. 
abortion is legal. You can't ban it. It is a constitutionally protected right in this country. Phil Bryant and Bob McDonald and Ken Cuccinelli do not have the power to change that. What they and Republican lawmakers all over the country do have the power to do is cut off access to abortion. They can't make abortion illegal on paper. They can't strike down Roe versus Wade, except by electing Mitt Romney, right? Who will then pick Supreme Court judges who do that. Uh, but they can't make it so hard to get an abortion that it might as well be illegal. They can make the right to access an abortion a right in name only. After Republicans won big majorities in the states in 2010, they set about restricting access to abortion in ways not seen since Roe versus Wade was decided in 1973. And as a result of this new wave of restrictions, we're seeing signs of a return to a reality in America that is looking more and more like the days before Roe. Business Week published a really interesting story this week out of Arizona about a woman who's running a nonprofit program there to help poor women in Arizona find ways to access abortions discusses these new restrictions. You can no longer get an abortion outside Tucson or Phoenix in Arizona. And even then, you have to wait 24 hours after a forced ultrasound, which means many women are forced to travel hundreds of miles and then pay to stay overnight in one of those two cities. Pending another new abortion restriction, banning some abortions, one abortion rights advocate says she's making connections in other states outside Arizona where she might have to start sending women who need abortions across state lines. Quote, abortion is legal, but when you have to travel 300 miles to get to a clinic that provides the services you need, you don't really have access. In Texas, where women also face a forced ultrasound followed by a mandatory waiting period if they need an abortion, women are crossing the border into Mexico to buy drugs they hope will end their pregnancies from unlicensed pharmacists and unregulated pharmacies. One Mexican pharmacist who's been selling a drug over the counter says he's heard of girls hemorrhaging after using that drug, saying, quote, I, I try my best to explain the consequences, but there's only so much I can do. Another pharmacist saying, quote, it sells, that's the problem, but I won't tell them how to take it. I just say, you might have problems later. In Texas, in other words, the back alley abortions of the days before Roe versus Wade are back. They just happen to involve unregulated pharmaceuticals instead of coat hangers. And in Arizona, women are mobilizing to shuttle patients out of state to get access to abortion. And in Mississippi and in Virginia, abortion clinics are in danger of shutting down altogether. Mississippi only had one left before these targeted regulations. Abortion access in this country is on the decline. According to the Guttmacher Institute, there are 25% fewer abortion providers in the U.S. than there were 20 years ago. And fewer American counties have abortion providers now than in 1973 when Roe v. Wade was decided. In Wichita, Kansas, there has not been an abortion provider since Dr. George Tiller was assassinated in 2009. This week we learned that a foundation run by one of Dr. Tiller's former employees has purchased his old clinic and plans to bring abortion services back to Wichita if they can. That new clinic will face not only new restrictions on abortion that have been enacted by Republican politicians in Kansas and signed into law by Governor Sam Brownback, they're also going to be facing pickets and protests and pressure from anti-abortion groups in Wichita. The leaders of those groups are already vowing to shut the clinic down before it has even opened its doors. It starts with a flash and a blast Blaster and glasses An earthquake came Flood through my living room 
The mission of this show is to aggregate and amplify the best voices of the truly liberal media, and now you can play a critical role in helping fulfill that mission. I pick out the best clips I hear to share with you, and now you can do just the same thing extremely easily. Now available at bestoftheleft.com, each clip I play is made available individually with simple buttons that allow you to share your favorites on your networks through Facebook, Twitter, by email, and beyond. By myself, I can amplify this content to thousands of people, but collectively, we have the potential to reach millions. No kidding. Become your own media activist by taking one minute to share your favorite content a couple of days each week, help more people plug into the truly liberal media, and be an integral part of this extremely virtuous cycle. Thanks so much for your help. Mitt Romney is pretending, after all the talk in the primary about how he's so pro-life and pro-life pro-pro-life, right? I mean, because he had to out-pro-life Rick Santorum and Newt Gingrich, etc., right? Now, all of a sudden, say, abortion? Abortion? What name so? We wouldn't do anything about abortion. Get a load of this backpedaling. Well, the platform, uh, as written at this convention for the Republicans, does not allow for exceptions on abortion with regard to the health of the mother or rape or incest. Is that where you are? No, my position has been clear throughout uh, this campaign. I'm in favor of uh, abortion being legal in the case of rape and incest and the health and life of the mother. But recognize, this is the decision that will be made by the Supreme Court. The, the Democrats try and make this a political issue every four years, but this is a matter in the courts. It's been settled for some time in the courts. Wait a minute. How could this not be a political issue? The president picks who's on the Supreme Court. You know, Roe versus Wade is hanging on by a thread. If one of the liberal justices retire, or God forbid anything else happens to them, the next president decides who's going to be on there. If it's a conservative justice, 5 4. Goodbye, Roe versus Wade. It was nice knowing you, Gonzo. Okay? You think it won't happen? Are you crazy? What do you think, Mitt Romney is not going to elect someone or select someone who's pro- massively pro-life and will vote against Roe versus Wade? Of course he will. After all of the promises he made to Republicans, and that's his position, of course he will. You think that the, that guy will change his mind after he gets on the Supreme Court? Or they'll think, oh no, there's already a precedent on the books. The... Republicans on the Supreme Court have shown over and over that they don't give a damn about precedent. That's the same group that voted 5-4 to four in Bush v. Gore. The ones who claimed, oh, states' rights, I care so much about states' rights. Oh, Florida's right to uh, recount their vote? Ah, who gives a damn about Florida's states' rights? No, we vote for Bush. Now, look, some of the players have changed, but the court has gotten, if anything, more conservative in a lot of ways. Now, so... A president is perhaps one of the most important things about electing him is who he's going to select for the Supreme Court. So for Mitt Romney to pretend like, what, 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 abortion, Supreme Court? Ah, don't worry about it. It won't be relevant. It's ridiculous. But more than ridiculous, it's telling. Because what does it tell you? It tells you he knows his position is unpopular. If he thought the pro-life position was the majority in the country, he'd be like, damn straight, we're going to put a guy in the Supreme Court? And we're going to make sure we overturn Roe versus Wade. Now we're in the general election. I want to tell you all about that and run on that. No, 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 no. Now that he's in the general election, he knows that, in fact, three-quarters of the country want abortion to be legal, right? So he says, maybe abortion? No. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Yeah, let's pretend that the president has nothing to do with abortion. 
And outside of the Supreme Court, of course, the president also decides on the global gag rule. That's something created by the Republicans where they say, if you're a family planning organization anywhere across the world uh, and you are involved with abortion in any way, shape, or form, you lose all of your funding from the U.S. Now, when the Republicans are in charge, they put that in place on the first day, like George W. Bush did. When the Democrats are in charge, they take that away and actually allow family planning across the world uh, at least uh, with funding that we uh, give out, which winds up helping millions of people across the world. So, of course, the president has a huge role to play on the abortion issue. They just don't want you to know that because they know that you don't like that, that they have the wrong position, the deeply unpopular position in America. Jay, my name is Stacy, and I'm calling to respond to a voicemail that was played on your most recent podcast. I'm sorry, I forgot the gentleman's name. It was referring to the drug war. He was pro-keeping drugs legal. He made the point, illegal, sorry. He made the point that it's not him who wants to keep, keep drugs illegal that's causing the people to be kidnapped and shot. It's the people using. I'm outraged by that. Before there was a drug war, there was no big monopoly of cartels killing and kidnapping and running governments and causing gun violence. And not to even mention the devastation of the drug war on the black community and young black males. Before was this drug war came about, you know, whatever percentage of black males were not incarcerated, they were in school, they were in the workforce. That, that, I'm outraged. That was such an idiotic voice now i'm sorry i don't want to disrespect him but it's clear it's the it's the illegalization of a substance that causes the black market which then leads to violence clear as day with prohibition there would have been no al capone without prohibition come on really we have bigger things to conquer in this world than what adults choose to put into their bodies whether it's alcohol, tobacco, or whatever. It may not be good for them, but you cannot tell an adult what to print to his body. Thank you. I'm, I'm so sorry. I was so angry. Have a good day. Hey, Jay, it's Jim. Down in St. Augustine. Listen to your Why We Should Legalize Marijuana episode. Uh, you know, that was really interesting because it's, it's definitely something I agree with. Why don't we just legalize it and get out there and, uh, you know, put some regulations on it and uh, start bringing in more tax revenue. I've never smoked. Don't plan on it. Not even if it's legal. It's just, it, it doesn't interest me. But, but uh, I don't see why we're wasting uh, money on on court cases and imprisoning people for being unlicensed pharmacists. Uh, adding to the Young Turks episode, though, uh, with the war on drugs going on in uh, Mexico that carried over to the borders and the decapitations I already knew about. Um, so I guess this, you know, this, I mean, this is old news. But uh, the thing that I find ironic is that Schenck made a, a, an argument that, you know, we make criminals of prohibition, so let's legalize it and let them make it a legal business. But what I find ironic is, even though the left supports 
legalizing marijuana, what happens when these companies, you know, they, they start making, uh, they start selling marijuana, and then they become evil, bloodthirsty corporations? Are we going to hate them too? I just, it's you, you, you spin a web of of hypocrisy because you support one thing, and then when you get what you want, uh, it's going to lead down a road where you're going to end up being a hypocrite, and that's very common in the left. If you support legalized marijuana, well, then you support free market capitalism. That's just the way that works. I hope, uh, if you need me to make that clear for you, let me know. But that's just a simple fact. It's a simple reality of it. All right. Have a good day. I hope you had a great Columbus Day. God bless. Bye. Hey, Jay. It's your buddy Keith from Brooklyn. Um, I'm just calling a, about the uh, the caller from a couple episodes back, um, the gay rights episode. Uh, I think it was Matt from Chicago called in uh, to talk about the um, pot legalization issue. Um, I'm not calling because I'm a big advocate of um, uh, pot legalization, but just because I'm a big advocate of sound logic, and I don't think that that's what he was using. Um, one of the callers' big rights with pot legalization was that uh, it would lead to a big pot industry that would act much like big tobacco and unleash yet more advertisements, corporate lawyers, and lobbyists on society. Um, I just think that to follow that logic to its conclusion would be to argue that we shouldn't build up any industry uh, for fear that they'd amass too much legal and political power. Um, I think it's, it's, it's actually a lot like saying that we shouldn't build up the wind or solar industries because they become just like big oil. Of course, I do think that we should be concerned about corporate influence over the legal and political systems, uh, but that's, that's just a separate issue altogether. Uh, that's an issue of corporate reform um, and uh, regulating industry. The concern with uh, putting pot on the market, just like any other product, should be focused on the effects that the product has on society. And I think on that front, uh, he was pretty far off the mark because uh, he seemed to be just considering the use of marijuana as a recreational drug rather than as a medication. Um, I actually think that he suggested the, the, his suggested solution to the pot problem was that people should just somehow learn to control themselves and stop using a drug that wasn't prescribed to them by a doctor. Um, I, I actually agree with him that recreational drug use is a big social problem, but I think that by focusing only on that side of the issue, he appears to be completely ignoring the fact that a big reason for the pot legalization push uh, is that doctors are prescribing it as a legitimate medicine to patients uh, who have a legitimate need for it, and that federal laws are making it really tough for people to do that. So that's all I have to say on that, but I also wanted to throw a little bit of praise your way, Jay, um, let you know that I'm now listening to the podcast about as avidly as I listen to uh, Radio Lab. so you're definitely doing something right. Keep it up, uh, and hope to see you soon. Take care. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called into the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. So yes, the, the reaction to the caller who called in suggesting uh, that we should maintain the criminalized state of marijuana was uh, swift and severe. I definitely didn't include nearly all of the messages I got on the subject, and I can't say I'm surprised that that's how it worked out. Um, and, and, you know, and I don't want to pile on too much. I already said my bit on that message but 
I do want to bring up one thing that I it just didn't occur to me uh, to suggest before, and no one else has mentioned it, is that you know part of his call was you know in reference to the idea that the drug war and the cartels could be ended and defunded by simply not doing drugs. That's all you have to do is not do drugs, and um, although that is true, it it rings very similarly to another issue that liberals end up talking about a fair amount, and I wonder if anyone else thought of this. Uh, abstinence-only education. As conservatives who enjoy living in a purely hypothetical uh, world that doesn't exist in reality will uh, happily remind you, abstinence is the only form of birth control that works 100% of the time, and that is true in that hypothetical world. It just doesn't actually work in reality because it goes completely against human nature. Uh, similarly, I think uh, you can say the same for the drug war. Defunding uh, those cartels and ending violence by simply not doing drugs it may be the only uh, 100% guarantee to, uh, you know, to achieve that goal. It just goes completely against reality and won't ever, ever, ever work. Secondly, today, I just want to touch on uh, the second call of the day, Jim, who happens to be a conservative, but also agrees with the show on the drug policy issue, uh, but then went on to suggest that if, you know, if liberals couldn't necessarily be wrong on the issue, then they could at least be hypocrites at the same time um, by by making the statement that blew my mind. Uh, if you believe in uh, the legalization of marijuana, then you also essentially believe in free market capitalism, which uh, which he stated as a pure fact and made my head hurt. So it was by a great stroke of luck that the third call, Keith, um, happened to call in and give a much more interesting, uh, nuanced perspective on the potential future of economics regarding marijuana and how that could all play out rather than the painfully ignorant binary black and white perspective that Jim gave, which completely discounted the idea of uh, regulation, which of course is another thing that liberals believe in. So thanks to Keith for coming in with that perspective so I didn't have to do it myself. That worked out well. So that's going to do it for today. Thanks to everyone for listening, and especially thanks to those who support the show by becoming a member or making a one-time donation to the show. That is absolutely how the program survives and how you show your appreciation for it if you have any. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it and by spreading the word of individual clips you particularly like through your social networks. That can be done really easily through the show notes at the website at bestoftheleft.com. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining up with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from inside the Beltway, yet outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast, coming to you every third day, thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Pitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to be A dying man in a living room Whose shadow bases the floor Who take you out